Some of us don't get a Mother's Day because our mothers were drug addicts, alcoholics, molesters, narcissists, sociopaths, and abusers. That's not a complaint, only a fact. So if you were lucky enough to have a loving and caring mother, then be grateful and hug her. sex and spirituality. I'm your host, Lauren Coletti. Happy Mother's Day. I'm recording this. It's May 9th and it is Mother's Day Sunday. So I want to wish everyone out there a beautiful, happy and healthy Mother's Day to all the amazing and courageous and strong women. Whether you are an aunt, you are a sister, you are a daughter, you are a mother. Thank you for being so brave and just women are so underrated and women honestly make the world go around. So I don't think women get enough credit. So I encourage you to wish someone a happy Mother's Day, whether it is your mom, your grandma, your aunt, your sister, your niece, yourself. Thank you for being here and thank you for joining me today. I was inspired to do this episode. I really wasn't going to record today, um, but then I saw a quote by Michael Unbroken on Instagram, which I read at the start of this podcast. And it really got me thinking like Mother's Day could be a really difficult and challenging and dare I say triggering day for so many women, but I think it's time we threw out the old definition. Um, even if you don't have children, even if you are not a quote-unquote mother, which many of us choose not to be, and I think society needs to be more accepting of that, but hey, if you have fur babies, you're still a mom, right? So I think that, you know, when we look at Mother's Day, it changes year after year, but it all comes down to appreciation and gratitude and love, and it's important to recall this day as a day for just counting your blessings and being grateful and appreciative and loving. And we can do that on days that aren't necessarily Mother's Day. And there are a thousand different ways to be a mom, right? So to all of the women out there who provide love and care and support for their children, their husbands, their friends, their neighbors, um, we wouldn't be, the world would not be where they are, where the world is without you. So don't just celebrate other people, really celebrate yourself today. And my heart goes out to people who Mother's Day is a painful day for them. Um, Because when Mother's Day is hard for someone to get through, it's often because of a loss, right? Maybe it's a loss of some kind you had a death and you're grieving, or it's the loss of the mother that you never had. the wish for a relationship that never came to fruition. So my heart goes out to each and every single one of you. Um, I really, I can relate and I can't relate in so many different ways because this is how um, Father's Day feels for me because I'm not fatherless, but my father passed away in 2010 uh, due to terminal illness. He had cancer. So I know the struggle. The struggle is real and obviously the dynamics between a mother and a daughter may be different than a father and a daughter, Um, but the pain still lives. And it could be hard to look at other people celebrating when our heart is heavy. So please take today for self-care and move inward and really nourish and nurture yourself and give yourself what you need. 
um, whether that's an extra, I don't know, 30 minutes relaxing, whether that's a piece of chocolate, whether that's just surrounding yourself with people who love and support you, give that to yourself. And I wanted to talk about this because even though my mom is very alive, um, I definitely still do have a mother wound, which I've talked about on the show a couple times. And the mother wound can be defined as your mother not being emotionally attuned and available to you. More specifically as a child growing up, because this is when our attachment um, style kind of takes place. But it could even be as a young adult, an adolescent, a teenager, and an adult even. So your mom might have been present physically, but perhaps emotionally absent. And there is a multitude of reasons for this. Because mothers mold us, not just physically in the womb, um, but the way that they raise us and how available and attuned they were to our needs. So signs of a mother wound, adults dealing with a mother wound, often look back on their childhood and can definitely identify issues like never feeling they had their mother's approval or acceptance or concerned about not being loved by their mother or not being loved as much as other siblings or family members. And this could show up Um, People usually apply the term mommy issues to men, but I think as a woman, I have a mother wound and I definitely have dated men that have mommy issues. Um, And this could look like trust issues or difficulty showing vulnerability or an expectation that romantic partners will provide more than a fair share of whether it be household labor or emotional support. And this could be particularly and especially true if we have a toxic mother. I wouldn't say my mom is a narcissist whatsoever. She definitely does have tendencies and our relationship isn't the healthiest. I don't know if I would go as far to say as it's toxic, but it has its good days and it has its bad days. And this has been something I've actively been working on in therapy for quite some time. But as we know, it takes two to tango and you could do all this work, but if someone's not willing to meet you halfway and this goes with anything, you could really only get so far. So today I wanted to talk about adoption because this is something I've, you know, there's literature on it, but I feel like there's not a lot of research on it and adoption trauma and adoption wounds are not talked about enough. Because when we think of adverse childhood experiences, we know that there is abuse of any kind, alcoholism, substance abuse, um, neglect, and obviously those are extremely critical and serious. But, you know, I've had a lot of adverse childhood experiences. And when therapists would do like a biopsychosocial examination evaluation with me, they'd ask me if I had any trauma growing up. And my initial reaction was no. I was like, my dad, you know, it's not saying it's acceptable, but he disciplined me with a belt because he was an old school, traditional conservative Italian. And that's how his generation grew up thinking that physical um, consequences were okay. And my mom used to pull my hair and things like that, but I never got beat. My parents never abused drugs. You know, I even though we were very poor and low socioeconomically, there was food on the table. There was a shelter. Like I had a house over my head. 
So even though I didn't have like the cool clothes from Limited 2, you guys remember Limited 2, and growing up I couldn't get Abercrombie because my parents couldn't afford it and we couldn't go out to eat, we couldn't go on vacations, things like that. Those are very privileged things, by the way. Um, I wasn't privileged, but I was lucky enough to have a mom and dad that could provide for me and support me the best way that they could with the tools they had at the time. But I never had, I never thought I had any trauma because it's not talked about that growing up with a terminally ill parent is extremely traumatic and adoption, even if it was an open adoption, like it hurts. Even though I can recognize that my birth mom, who shout out to her, happy Mother's Day to you if you're listening, which I don't think she is, but to all mothers that were selfless enough to carry a baby to term and um, provide an adoption for a better life, shout out to you, that is the most, I can't even imagine, honestly. Like that is the most selfless act that someone can do. And I recognize that now, but growing up, the first feeling I ever can recall is feeling unwanted, feeling abandoned, feeling not good enough for my birth parents. And adopting a kid could be one of the greatest gifts that people can experience, especially for my my dad who couldn't have kids because of his issues and my mom who had endometriosis, she couldn't um, get pregnant. This is like a dramatically loving decision. And I'm sure I bettered my mom's life when she had the ability to do- adopt me. And I found statistics that say in the US, one out of 25 families have adopted a child And 40% of adoptions are from the U.S. foster care system. And apparently the U.S. adopts more children than any other country. So my question is like, why is this not talked about more widely? Um, And even though when you look at it from a different perspective and you change the lens, you could say, well, Lauren, you were loved because you were chosen. Your adopted parents really wanted you. They chose you. And yes, but like as a five-year-old, I didn't know this. I just remember feeling different, kids making fun of me because I was adopted. And this put me at a higher risk for mental health disorders because growing up, like you don't really understand. I can understand now as a woman of childbearing age at 26 years old that my birth mom was so brave and strong and kind and giving and generous. But back then, I just thought, why can't I be like other kids? Something's wrong with me. I'm different. I'm not good enough. And this greatly affected my attachment. So attachment, which I talk about all the time, but if you're a newbie here, welcome. Thanks for listening. So attachment refers, it's a psychological term, which refers to the physical, even biological bond that occurs between a child and their caretakers, like a mom and a dad. And for a baby, attachment begins in utero. For the mom, attachment generally begins immediately after birth. And this bond can grow stronger through infancy and childhood with touch and comfort and strong emotional and physical attachment to a parent is so important for a child's development. When you have a healthy, secure attachment, it leads to secure relationships in adulthood. But for many adopted children, shout out to all of my people out there who are adopted because a lot of us don't know the struggle but you probably do. So for many adopted children, their attachment bond is broken immediately and sometimes multiple times as whether you're passed around, foster care, or finally settling into your permanent adoptive family. So this bond can be reformed over time with proper care, emotional care. However, adopted children 
are at an increased risk for reaction attachment disorder, which results from the disruption of the attachment process, whether it's through neglect, physical abuse, sexual abuse, or frequent change in the primary caregivers in the first few years of a child's life. So reactive attachment disorder, according to the DSM, the trustee DSM, um, you show emotionally withdrawn behavior, particularly towards caregivers. You might have minimally responsiveness or seek comfort when you are emotionally distressed. Um, and this could lead to unexplained episodes of irritability, sadness, emotional turmoil, um, minimal social or emotional responsiveness to others. And this could lead you like signs of this. You could be more prone to sexual abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse. And I've experienced all of this in my life. And that's really interesting when I was looking into this. I'm like, this makes so much sense. Like even on a subconscious level, we don't consciously seek out like being re-victimized and re-traumatized, but we do unconsciously in our relationships. So I've talked about numerous times how I have obviously an insecure attachment, which I've been actively working on for years and years and years. And I would describe myself as avoidantly attached. So this could be aversion to touch, physical attention, um, getting squirmish around affection. You feel a need to be in control. Um, this could lead to, as a child, temper tantrums, being disobedient, defiant, argumentative, um, lack of emotion, sort of stoicism, and maybe inappropriate affection. Like you could be inappropriately affectionate towards strangers or like hookups and be, I want to say overly promiscuous, but that sounds kind of like degrading. But when you have an opportunity for someone to really love you and be close to you and vulnerable, you pull away. So insecure attachment is when you have like an attachment disorder, quote unquote, could be serious. And this could be, you know, failure to engage, failure to reach out when you need help. Um, not liking social interaction. That's your girl here. Um, crying inconsolably, especially as a child, um, just want to be left alone. So I was looking this up and I was like, this all hits home for me because I wouldn't say I'm antisocial. I'm a highly sensitive person and that's a beast of its own, like it's a blessing and a curse. But I think when you have these early childhood experiences, that's kind of like I'm an empath. Um, I'm very introverted and, you know, it's kind of the chicken or the egg question, like what came first. But I just really wanted to touch on it because I haven't necessarily talked about my adoption too, too much. And, you know, I was adopted as an infant, a newborn, so I really don't remember it. But it's been really hard. It, you know, I count my blessings. I'm very grateful that I was provided a better life than I would have. My birth mom was very young and she really did the best thing for herself. Shout out to you, girl. But she also did the best thing for me. And I recognize that now. And I just wanted to validate other people's experiences who were adopted because it's not talked about often enough. And, you know, it's Mental Health Awareness Month and I do have mental health disorders that I don't believe stem from being adopted alone. Um, I think I had a lot of like childhood bullying and just exposure to very traumatic things like my father being ill and things like that. 
And then as a teenager, I experienced a multitude of like violent relationships. So it was the perfect storm. Do I believe children that are adopted could grow up to be securely attached? A hundred percent. But it all starts in the home, right? Um, Take my boyfriend, for example. His family is securely attached. Like, I'm sure he's had his own challenges and difficulties, but he grew up with a loving mother and a loving father who were available to him. So he's like all, I don't want to say Pollyanna, but he has a very positive outlook on relationships. Whereas I, me and him were talking about the other day, talking about like what our views were on marriage. And I was like, I don't believe that a man and woman can stay together for the rest of their lives. Like I don't trust that a man won't get tired of me, won't look at other women, won't fantasize about fucking other women. And for me, it's kind of like the idea is almost worse than the act. Um, I just don't believe that two people could happily live forever after. And that's because my cynicism and my jadedness are based on my experience growing up, feeling abandoned, feeling left when my father died, feeling heartbroken the first man I love. You know, he didn't necessarily leave me per se, but he passed on and it induced a large amount of grief and fear of love because I always assume that love ends in sadness and pain. And then it was like a self-sabotage, self-fulfilling prophecy where I would seek out partners who would cause and inflict pain on me. (laughs) So it's just interesting to take that psychological evaluation and just analyze our own behaviors, analyze our own dynamics so that we can make better, more empowering, fulfilling choices on how we want to move forward. So I think I'm going to end this here, wrap it up, because I really have quite a few things to do today before I get my day started. But before I wrap this up, to all my women out there, I hope you feel empowered today. I hope you know what a fucking goddess and what a rock you are for so many people in your lives. And thank you to all my listeners. We are almost at 6,000 listeners, my friends. It seems like each month I'm hitting that 1,000 listener mark. So I really think we're going to make the goal by August to get to 10K listeners. And I'm so excited because I was, you know, I dedicated myself. I was committed to doing this podcast for one year because a lot of times if I don't see numbers going up quickly or I don't think that it's getting the attention that I wanted, quote unquote, um, millennial problems, right? I will give up and I'll say, throw in the towel, fuck this. No one cares about what I have to say. But It's been, what, nine months? And I think that 6,000 is like a great starting point. I just really want to share my story. I want to use my voice for good. I want to get the word out there um, that as a survivor, that we can do hard things and life is on the up and up. So thank you all for liking, rating, sharing, subscribing. If you enjoyed this podcast or just can relate or resonate with this in some way, shape or form, please follow me on Instagram at sex and spirituality pod. And I will talk to you in the next episode.